This episode of the 405 Film Podcast is brought to you in collaboration with Picturehouse Central, Picturehouse Cinema's flagship location. Situated a stone's throw from Cinnabon, you can find the best of... Why Cinnabon? It's delicious. Fuck's sake. You can find the best of blockbusters, documentaries and indies always showing on one of the many comfortable screens. What's your favourite part of cinema, Sean? apart from just being near Cinnabon? Well, that is a really good reason to go, but let's see. I've already said cakes, and I've already said the photo booth. Have we talked about the leg room yet? What's leg room? Is that a room for your legs? Wow. We'll <laughs> be here all week. Well, as a tallie, I can say that there's a ton of leg room. I can always stretch my legs out, and I approve. How tall are you? I'm five, nine, and three quarters without shoes on. That's why it matters. That's why the leg room matters. Mm-hmm. Make sure to check out Picture House Central and the rest of the Picture House Cinema chain because they're all rad, aren't they? Yes, yes they are. Right, on with the show. Welcome to the 405 Film Podcast with Sean Melton and Adam Libinati Roach. Hello and welcome to the 405 Film Podcast. Maybe you thought we were dead, but like the Big Bang Theory, we can't be killed, unfortunately. And uh, I'm your host, Adam Libanati-Roach, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Sean Melton. That's me! That was a bit loud, probably, but that's cool. That's cool. How you doing? I'm okay. It's been a while. Not seeing you for a bit. Yeah. It's been been since... I haven't seen you in... since today I guess. Since London Film Festival. Oh right yes we only see each other when we record this podcast. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what have you been up to? What have you seen? A lot's happened. Like what's happened in that time? I saw a lot of movies. Um, as a Canadian American I came to realize the threat of white supremacy is real. But mostly I saw like, good movies. Just gonna put this out there. This isn't a podcast for politics, this is a podcast for film. It's not politics, it's human interest. Or human interest. This is a film podcast. Whoop, 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 leave it at the door, leave it at the door, leave it at the door. As you can probably tell, we are back, buzzing and ready to introduce you to films you need to see. Plus the introduction of some brand new recurring features, or maybe one... If time allows because we didn't come up with any. Hey now, hey now. Absolutely zero. None there. Well, it's not all up to me to come up with them, is it? No. No, it's not. Anyway, what film are we going to talk about first, Sean Melton? What film from the past four weeks of me being in New York and preoccupied with work do you want to talk about? What do you want to touch upon? Well, I could talk about a lot of films, but you haven't seen any. Well, there, there, are, there is a film you've seen twice now, which means you must love it, and that film is called Now You See Me Too. Yes. I accidentally watched it again. Not accidentally. He put it on on purpose. That's what happens when the Blu-ray accidentally slips into the player. I didn't know. Yep, it was just there. Definitely. Totally by accident. I thought it was Sicario, and it ended up being Now You See Me Too. That's just a harsh trick. It's just a harsh trick. Also, How does one make that mistake? I don't know, it just, does, it just happens. Uh-huh. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, those, Shut up. those things happen. Before we actually get into what Sean's favourite, not favourite film, one of the films you're talking about, I need to plug the fact we are running an amazing competition <gasps> right now on the A site. competition, you say? Free things, you say. What? What, you say? I, 
free things? Exactly. You can win the whole series of The Night Of on Blu-ray. You keep telling me to watch that. As mm. an aside and completely unrelated, can people on this podcast win that contest? Completely as an aside and completely unrelated, no, they can't. Never mind. Never mind. But all of you guys out there in listener land, you can win. And it's really easy to enter. I'll put the um, I'll put the link to it in the notes. And you just click on it and say, I want to enter. I want to win free things. Is that how that works? Mm. Clicking. Hmm, interesting. For the sake yeah, of people yeah, who are coming yeah. to this podcast late, the actual end date for this. Let me just get some dates up on my screen is that doesn't really help me calendar it's this friday which is the 18th of november so you have until this friday the 18th of november as 23 59 59 to enter the competition and if you win it's a great early christmas present for you and if you've already got it a great early christmas present for someone else like me like sean anyway there's that plug that's your beautiful plug? plug well done What's your first film? What first film are we talking about? We're going to talk about Arrival, which um, I saw at London Film Festival. You couldn't be bothered to get your ass out of bed that early. But you Mm. saw it yesterday. Yeah, I did. You did see it yesterday. I did, yes. That's (laughs) all I'm going to say. What more do you want from me? I did see it yesterday. It was... It's a sci-fi thinker. Mm-hmm. It's not one that I think a lot of people could have been expecting. So say, for example, you've been walking to work and you keep seeing the big bus posters with Amy mm-hmm. Adams looking up going, <gasps> and Jeremy Remnant looking up going, <gasps> and you go, oh my God, what could they be looking at? It's going to be some sort of badass sci-fi. Pew, pew, pew. You ignore... <laughs> And you ignore the trailers completely because you're convinced that, oh, it's called Arrival. Oh, this is going to be deadly. Bad things are going to happen. That's Amy Adams looking up going, because they've just destroyed something. And that's Jeremy Remner going, Renner. Renner. No. Yeah, it's Renner. Is it Renner? (laughs) It's Renner. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was Remner. No, I'm unsure. I'm I've called sure him Jemmy Remnant to his face. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys are good friends. I'm surprised he doesn't bring it up because you're BFFs. Hey, Jemmy Remnant. But <laughs> it's a very good film. It's more about speech and communication um, that one it's trying to let in for. Am I right in saying that without being too it spoilerific? Is. And this is the this is a film that you almost can't really talk about without spoiling it. But I will say... It is um, similar to uh, Interstellar. It ends up being more of a personal story of um, Amy Adams' character, Luis, her growth as a human, as a mother, as a as a person, um, and her journey through life than Aliens. If you're wanting Aliens, still go see this movie. The aliens are badass. There are aliens, and they're cool. Mm. But also, this is it's a personal story. I think ultimately that's what it is about. I think that's a perfect... Life. I think that's a perfect way to describe it, actually. It's a personal story, not just personal to the lead character of Louise, but something that I think a lot of people watching it will be able to empathise with. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I personally did, because uh, there are situations within her story that are similar to my past. And it's... Don't take popcorn. Nah, it's, pro- it's not a popcorn film. You compared it briefly to Instella. I compare it more to Contact. I haven't. I haven't seen Contact. With Jodie Foster in a long from time. back in your day. 
<laughs> my day, yes. Um, I haven't actually seen that in a very long time. That would be worth watching again. I think, I think tonally, yes, and in terms of intellectualism, but what really stuck with me for Interstellar and the many times I saw it was... Um, it's a story about a father and a daughter. That is what Interstellar is at its core. That's all that matters. They just happen to go to space. Are you ready to drop your Hans Zimmer fact here? I have one? Yeah, about Hans Zimmer when he, um, uh, when oh, Christopher oh, Nolan yeah. was directing one. So Sean just said it's just, it's not a sci-fi, it's a film about It a just father. happens to be a set in a sci-fi world. Yeah. And there's a, a very cool um, behind-the-scenes featurette um, for music um, in uh, uh, Nolan films and he talks to Hans Zimmer and says that for Interstellar he never actually told him what the film was about he just said it was um, a story about a father and um, he assumed father and son and he wrote the entire score and then learned that it was a daughter and that there also happened to be uh, space <laughs> space travel, whoops surprise, ah! forgot um, but I, I think that I think when you look at the core of a story, that's you know that's what you want to get at, and that to me is what Arrival is. It's um, it's a story about, um, in a sense, kind of motherhood, but I don't want to say too much. Um, I will say, don't miss the first five minutes of the film, like the twenty weirdo assholes I saw at London Film Festival who came in five minutes late. I wonder what their reviews were like. Um, make sure you see the first five minutes because you literally can't understand the film without it. Not even just figuratively, but literally. I'm trying to think. You can't. You, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you won't be able to work that out. You'd make zero connections for yeah. the, like, the actual meat of the film. Um, and yeah, go see it. It's it's really beautiful. It's... Um, when you were rehearsing, rehearsing earlier, whatever, that's not the word I was looking for, but it will work. How do you say the director's name? Um, he is a French-Canadian, mm -hmm. and his name is Denis... Uh, Villeneuve. Villeneuve. <laughs> I grew up in Kansas and then moved to Canada. I'm not good at the French. <laughs> no, now it's... Oh, I did that too. I, I Googled no, no, how, to how do you I, say I Denise... You, I heard you saying it, so Ville, I'm going to turn the Villeneuve. volume up really loud. Oh, Ville, Villeneuve. Yeah, it's probably... So this is the director of it. Oh, volume's not no. happening. No, it goes on like here. That's how. Jenny's Villeneuve. Villeneuve. There you yeah, go. So that was. Villeneuve. So, do you think this is. Jenny's Villeneuve. Best film so far? And do you think that that will put. Um, do you think that will put. Jenny's Villeneuve. In the running for an Oscar? You think. You, you have a discussion afterwards that it might. I have seen. Get taken uh, notice. Hand, I have seen a handful of his films. Um, there's still a bunch of his earlier films that I really want to see. Um, and I don't Jenny's actually... Villeneuve. I don't actually think it's... Um, oh, I don't... I almost want to say, of all the ones I've seen, I think a stronger film, just in impact and scope and everything, is Encendies, which is a, a beautiful yet shocking film. And I saw that in... I've only seen it once, and I, th I saw Sicario. it. Sicario. Sicario is good too. But I saw Ensemble's once at a film festival, have not seen it since, and it still haunts me to this day. And I think Arrival's great too. I think Arrival's definitely up there. I liked Arrival more than Prisoners. Um, Enemy's also a beautiful film and really weird and interesting. Oscar running. Um, this year, maybe not. Why not? 
Because um, do you think he needs to do something else? There's always themes with um, the Oscars because Academy Awards are all voted on by people and people get into trends and trends are based on um, what's popular on... What is popular? Oh my day, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> what is popular? Um, and this year I think this it's... Year. I think what's really trending, um, and not trending in like an, an empty way, but I think the films people are going to be talking about are um, films like... Um, like Loving, which is Jeff Nichols' new film, and Moonlight. And um, so basically more diverse films and diverse stories. Um, Fences with uh, um, uh, Denzel Washington and Viola Davis is all, like, she's already up there as being a frontrunner for supporting actress. So, yeah, that's what I think is happening. I think that's a very, um, that's an awesome trend, so to say, to have in big Hollywood. So I'm cool with that. But because of that, I don't know what's going to happen with this film. But, I mean, Amy Adams is all, all like an awards darling. Everyone loves her. She's an so. awards darling this year. Also, here's another word. How do you say this? How do you say... Charcuterie. I know how to This website's charcuterie. amazing. Anyway, thank you to Sean. But for... all of those what? could be lies. There is actually a YouTube account of mispronunciations of words that are horrifically wrong, and it's really beautiful. Oh, that's not fair. I'm that's sure just that's, con- that's just conning people like me into yep, but saying it, it wrong. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. That Good. That's beautiful. Thank you very much. Okay, so the next film we saw... Well, that's not a film we saw. The next one we're going to talk about is Train to Busan, but we'll be right back after this musical interlude, all these messages, if you're Ooh. from the US. Breaking news, Sean just said she wants to circle back with me later. What business shit is that? Business, what? business, business. What does circle back mean? It just sounds like another sort of whale species. Circling back is when you're walking down a hallway after a long meeting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you realize that you forgot your cookie in the office room um, and you have to walk back and get it. Is that actually what it means? It. Yes, that is exactly what it means. Give me the real definition of circle back. Circle back means you'll return to a topic later. Hey, yeah, and that's what we're doing right now, is we're circling back to train to Busan, what we mentioned before we went on the break. Oh, wow, what a segue. What What a a segue. I hope everyone here is only here for the segues, because they are gold. Got to the final round of interviews at Radio 1. Don't know what went wrong. No idea. No idea what went wrong. The silence there, basically. Neither too high. So nope. we're talking. I'm stunned into silence. Hey, hey now! I've been looking forward to seeing this film for a very, very long time. You have. You've been yeah. talking about it for ages. Because I was supposed to go to countless PR screenings, but I ended up being ill or overworked, all of those things, and just didn't get to go. And I'm so chuffed that Train to Busan got picked up. I'm so glad that we had a chance to go see it at the cinema at the weekend, and I'm extremely glad that it's. Second part of this topic, reignited my love for going to watch late night cinema. We Oops, saw it at 8.45. Me. Yeah, but the clocks have gone back now. It feels later than it is. <laughs> Even 9.45 isn't late night cinema. But the clocks going back makes it feel late. It makes me feel then more again, rogue. you do go to bed at like 11 o'clock most nights. So you were a past your bedtime old man long name. I was. In a nutshell, Train to Busan is your zombie flick of the year. Maybe even the last five years? Is it better than... Oh, I haven't seen Go With All The Gifts yet, but in my mind, this was great. I'm a big fan of um, Asian cinema, um, especially when 
they do sort of creature features. Because in this, the zombies aren't just people that have just turned rabid. They are, in a way, their own creature. And this is done perfectly for a combination of what I think is special effects, makeup, prosthetics, which is that. But then also, when they turn into zombies, there's some frames cut. From the actual, oh, to from make, the actual to setting, make the running look kind of like jerky. And yeah, stuff. so like okay. when they jerk, but they're it's still fluid. So when basically in Train to Busan, it starts off with a deer gets run over, and that's basically it. I mean, if you watch the deer when it comes back alive, it's sorts of it's like stop motion animating its way back into life, well, all and of it's that, like all <coughs> of that deer was CGI. That wasn't the no, I know, a real deer deer I know it's I know it's CGI, but it makes it. The way they've done stop motion, it's like they they crack each bone really fast and yeah. like the whip around that the zombies do. These aren't your um, Romero zombies in Train to Busan. These are Daisy non no not Daisy World War Z non giving a shit zombies that run for fucking days. But they also they don't run that fast. It's they didn't run unnaturally fast for undead humans, I found. It was still fairly realistic and they tripped over themselves. I mean as realistic as, as the zombie apocalypse could be, of course. Yeah, that's a fair point because I think I think a lot of their jerky movements was just really good um like flexibility and just like body movements of the actors. Like it was um, their their change was really fast um when they got infected and uh so they they'd be They'd be bit. Um, there'd be a, a brief window of oh crap, this sucks, and then the dying part, which was moving slowly and starting to like realize they're dying. Then it would go into seizures, which would look like seizures, but then it would they die, and then they'd convulse in what was a super unnatural like like head twisting around backwards in poltergeist no. exorcist exorcist thank you <laughs> those are definitely not the same movie um and in that kind of very like unnatural but i think they were actually really doing it for the most part like they just they're contorting their bodies in the grossest ways and then the sound effects with bones cracking was absolutely nasty you know what made our screening better what the fact that someone behind us was screaming oh this woman was just uh she was really terrified and into everything but also just yeah, she, yeah, just, eh. she was, basic plot story of Train to Busan is there's an outbreak, of course, but of, of course. what? Oh, you got to find out. And a dad and his sort of forgotten child, he doesn't, it's always like this. It's always like this in it, these there's films. A good rede- there's always a good redemption story, though. You have to care about the characters, and and uh, the dad is taking his daughter begrudgingly to her mum's for her birthday. After a divorce. Uh, Sounded messy. Yep, yeah, and... Uh, and he doesn't want to, um, but when you give your kid a wee for the second time, that's kind of your only option. I'm just going to put that out there, dads. If you can't remember you bought a wee for your 11-year-old daughter, you're taking her to her mum's. If anything, Train to Passan made me aware of Children's Day, which is something we don't get in the United Kingdom, and now I feel that I've been harshly done by for my 29 years of being yeah. alive, mum and dad. What? Apparently in South Korea, it's a, it's warrants getting a wee for a present. It's an actual extra Christmas day. It's You get your birthday, Christmas day, and Children's Day. Do they celebrate Christmas in South Korea? I don't know. That's something we probably need to check yeah, up. But, but other countries that I celebrate Children's I, Day... I have a feeling that maybe it's not a gift-giving holiday. This was just the guilt of rich dad syndrome. Um, anyway... Uh, so, uh, what was interesting about this film was 
Um, it was took a place in um, obviously on a train. It's called Train to Busan, but enclosed places Monorail. is something you don't often really experience a lot in zombie films because they really want to always capture the scope of that it's taking over the whole world and the characters who are trapped in the train see glimpses of it literally from the train window they try to get off at one stop realize what a bad idea that was and have are forced to get back on the same train with the same zombies just in different cars so um, it feels intimate in a way that zombie movies don't normally feel intimate and like very claustrophobic relatable I mean, to the commuter hell. Also, yes. Is, maybe this is just train a meta- to Brighton. Maybe this is a metaphor for the awfulness of commuting via train. Seven rail. This is this was made after a few people like traveling on your rail service after they were here. You know, that's what it is. Like yeah. I said, train to Brighton. <laughs> Motherfuckers and their stupid trains. There is there's a lot of comedy in it. Um, the the blood and guts was really good. I'm not overly violent, but definitely bloody enough. Um, it wasn't it wasn't as violent as it could have been. Like no, there was a lot of potential for it to get very graphic, but it kept it on the fine line of more like, yeah, not comedic violence, but just you know, just enough as where, as is. Yeah, it wasn't. It, I I find lately just with violence, it's gotten to be kind of excessive. And sometimes it works really well. Like, I think the violence in Green Room is absolutely bananas, but necessary, because it's just out there. Um, But sometimes I think we expect to see, like, zombies, like, literally ripping into flesh and seeing everything and seeing, like, entrails coming out. And this didn't focus on that. But again, when you're running through a train, you don't have time to focus on that. And I think... um, there was an urgency of we're not going to you know waste time showing all the little nuances of uh, what happens when a zombie eats a person. Kudos to the directors and everyone for that because they could have done, they could have gone full Walking Dead on it. Have watched that before? Is that violence? Yeah, no, yeah, they've oh, recently okay. taken the biscuit. But yeah, Train to Busan is out now and will be around for I guess like two, two, three more weeks, and then. Go see it. It's very, very good. Um, it's a good uh, 8.45 super late night film for all you uh, wild and crazy kids out there. Stay out until 11. You've earned it. Why'd you stop it there? Because that felt like an 80s ending to radio. And stay cool, all you cool kids out there on your 8.45s. I feel like if I interviewed at Radio 1... Hashtag get Sean a job continues. So yeah, you would probably be hired straight away. I should replace that like bleachy blonde guy um, who always does those like photos with famous people and is like photo Gr- Grimmy Grimes. Nick Grimshaw. Yeah, Grimshaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet I'm better than him. Can you do your best, Nick Grimshaw? I don't even know what he sounds exactly. like. Exactly, <laughs> good. Right. So, as you know, we are partnered with Picturehouse Central and the lovely Toby King and Co. for their Central Docks Club. Which is also just around the corner from Cinnabon. Which is also just around the corner from Cinnabon. <laughs> so, you know, on Monday the 21st of November, you can go grab yourself a Cinnabon and join us for Central Docks Club's presentation of Gimme Danger. But also buy snacks at the cinema. Yeah, buy snacks at cinema as well because, you know, you need to put the money in. But yeah, Gimme Danger, it's a Jim Jamush. Is it Jamush? Yes. Director of the Delightful Patterson. Another Jim Jamush film. Jamush? Oh, Jesus Christ. 
Um, which has an interjection while Adam loses his shit. Um, they're doing a screening of Patterson on Sunday the 20th. Um, and it's Patterson Day and there'll be poetry reading um, and contest after the screening. So definitely go because that sounds like buckets of fun. You need to keep talking. I'm trying to think of a word that you can put Jamoosh together for a two-day event. Because okay. if you go to the thing on Sunday and on Monday, you're doing a Jamoosh doubleheader. Um, Jarmushed? Jarmuch, because it's so much. <laughs> Jarmodying? <laughs> no, but anyway, 20th Patterson, let's get into what we're supposed to be talking about, Central Ducks Club, Gimme Danger, which is a documentary about the success, the trials, the tribulations of Iggy and the Stooges. I'm looking forward to it, because um, I don't really know a lot about um, Iggy Pop and Iggy and the Stooges at all. Um, I'm going to actually go and say nothing. I know absolutely nothing. Um, but sometimes those are the best docs to go see. Um, I I was at the Central Docs Club for the Richard Linklater doc, and my mind was blown when I learned he directed um, School of Rock. Was the conversation so good? Away. Good afterwards. Um, it was great conversation. Really nice chats. And then a couple weeks prior, I saw the De Palma documentary, and I've never really actually seen a De Palma film all the way through. So it's okay if you don't know a lot about these subjects. Um, that's the whole fun of going to a documentary and. Nothing stops you from participating in the discussion afterwards. Especially Whether you liked it there. or didn't like it, uh, yes, Adam will force you to talk. No, I won't force Definitely. anyone to talk. Like, come on, come forward, guys. Come join me. Have a good time Just on stage. ominous friendliness, where you're a little like, hmm. But back hmm. to Gimme Danger. Um, you can read the preview of it on the 405 website. My opening paragraph is basically thus. To me, Iggy Pop was always a wrinkled old man. He should have stopped taking his top off on stage when he hit 50. Wow, that's harsh. It is harsh. And I'm expecting to... Maybe he's just comfortable that way. But you're right. When I think of Iggy Pop, he never has a shirt on. I'm, and by that, it's like, it's really shallow-minded. It's like, this is all I know about Iggy Pop. Like, I've seen him at festivals like, ah, oh, really now? But from what I've read about his documentary, they're a cultural phenomenon back in the 1960s. And if you watch the trailer, you can see some of the... Um, the interviews with him and the Stooges, where they are basically, they just don't care. And so I'm looking forward to this and more so to the conversation after, because I want to be completely, I want my mindset to be shifted by this documentary, and I feel it will be. Um, so shift your mind with Adam Luminati Roach on Monday, November 21st. That sounds like the natural you know, the natural sequel to Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Shift your mind with Adam <laughs> Limonati Roach. But yeah, that's Monday the 21st of November at 6.30pm. Tickets £5 for members, £7 for non-members. Eight. Eight. Eight £8. Just become a member. Yeah, it's even better when you're a member. Right, quickly. Netflix recommendations, Sean Mountain. We've gone deep again. Can I have my, my intro into my, my Netflix feature? Oh yeah, one second. Netflix. <laughs> that was so cinematic and musical. Netflix! That's enough, thank you. Um, in light of the past shit week, I'm going to... Uh, politics, told you no. No. No, absolutely not. Fuck you. This is important, and it this affects everyone. This is a film everyone. podcast. It is a film podcast hosted by two people who are affected by life, and our listeners are, and I'm recommending a really good documentary. So lay off, sir. 
Thank you. Watch 13th. Um, it's a documentary about um, prison system in the United States and how it targets uh, minorities and black people. Um, and it's directed by the amazing Ava DuVernay, who has directed Selma um, and, uh, and now Queen Sugar television show um, and Middle of Nowhere, which is lovely. And this was the first documentary to ever open New York Film Festival. And it's, it's very well done for a documentary. Um, and one thing I will point out that I've read a couple of places that I think is, is an interesting um, take. Um, the, the flow of the documentary is beautiful, and each kind of chapter is separated with um, very specific um, music, um, which really sort of um, uh, tells the story. But as well, um, it's, it's typical in a way that there are talking heads, but what's unique is that you don't know who these talking heads are until about halfway through the documentary when their credentials are revealed. So you're listening to them as people and as humans for um, the first little bit, and then you learn who they are. So your judgments are based solely on what they're saying unless you happen to know who they are. And I think that's interesting because so often when I'm watching a documentary, my eyes will glance down and I'll be like, who is this person? Do I believe what they're saying based on this job they have or their name? And I don't think that um, to an extent is always valid. Of course, you, you know, you don't want anybody talking about certain subjects, but I thought that was a unique thing to do because most documentaries either feel the need to or have to or want the the kind of glory of being like, these are the, these are the names and the positions I got to talk in my documentary. So very interesting, um, and I think it's an important documentary to watch always, but especially right now. So give it a watch. 13th, it is on Netflix, um, all the Netflixes, and um, yeah, check it out. So there's your Netflix recommendation for the week. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Adam. Even though I was like, no, no politics. That does sound like a documentary that needs to be seen now. It does, and I do agree. We are a film podcast, but some things shouldn't be ignored or be separated. I think there is a way to make sure that um, our daily lives, which happens to now be political and human rights invested, is a part of everything, and it should be. Yep, yeah, okay. I take it all back. I take it all back. Taking backsies? Take Can we back play Sunday. some Taking Backsies music? No. Um, before we go for the final time not for the final time we're returning next week we've got organised so on next week's episode we're going to be talking about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them where do you find them New York City that's basically what we're doing we're going to go talk about some Fantastic Beasts and then tell you where you could find them but also talk about the film Yeah, and we will see if maybe I can love Eddie Redmayne again and not want to punch him in the face oh I'm Eddie Redmayne and Make sure, as I said earlier, to enter our Night Of competition. Do that. That'll be fun, and then when you win, give it to me. You've got till 23.59 on Friday the 18th, and I guess that's it. That's everything rounded up nicely into a nice bow package. And, oh, oh, secrets are incoming. We'll be doing some Christmas episodes. (gasps) I think it's time to start playing Christmas. Can the outro be a Christmas song in this episode, or is it too early? Shut up, Sean. Yep, thank you. I've been Adam Libinati, long name Roach. Have you? Wow. I've been Sean way cooler than you, Melton. Bam!
That was the 405 Film Podcast with Sean Melton and Adam Longname. Even after three weeks off, it's still hilarious. As always, this podcast was created in partnership with Picture House Central. They are pretty darn cool. The podcast is still produced by Oliver Primus and me! Be your friends on Twitter if you aren't already. Follow us at The405Film. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes. <laughs> Stop laughing at me, but also subscribe to us on iTunes. And share this podcast with your friends. You think I'm a hero? I'm not a hero. I'm a drifter with nothing to lose! What is that? What is that?